can you turn to one scripture with me, please? And it is found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. We started a series last week entitled Diseases of the Heart, or another title for it could be Enemies of the Heart, and I've chosen the word Diseases of the Heart. And um, we know that we live in a pandemic time, and we understand that there are all kinds of things happening around us. Our hearts really do reach out to the people of India and Nepal and those areas at the moment where things are not great. And we know that um, COVID is... Um, it seems to be having the upper hand there, and we need to really, really pray for them. And um, so we see that um, diseases all around us, some in the form of COVID and some in other forms um, that's attacking our body. And we do know that some diseases attack us surreptitiously. That means without us even seeing it, it affects us and it enters our system, and, and those of you who have had chronic diseases will know that it doesn't suddenly come, you don't suddenly see it, but you start to feel it, you have an ache there, you have an ache here, and suddenly it gets diagnosed as a disease. And it's not necessarily always something that you invite, but you place yourself in that position. And it is similarly so spiritually with us. Sometimes the situations that we place ourselves in, um, we catch something that will affect us and we will become diseased by it. Paul is very clear in the New Testament and we used to say this so much to our children and also to the youth ministries that I was a part of when, when I used to be involved in youth ministry and, and, and scripture says that bad company corrupts good morals and, and that's not just a saying, it's a biblical saying in the New Testament so sometimes by association we catch certain things and it becomes a part of our lives and it takes away from who we are. And so we're looking at some of these diseases that we can catch or some of the diseases that's inherent within us because of the leaning of our natures and we know that all of the sins that we commit is as a result of the nature that is within us and also the process of God taking us to a place where we become more holy within his sight experientially. Positionally, the roads of righteousness covers us, but we do understand that as we walk with God, that our characters are being formed better, but also some of the sins that persist. God deals with, and that's very, very important. And so this morning, I want us to look at a disease of the heart which R.W. Stott calls our greatest enemy. And um, I want us to talk about pride today. Stott says, pride is your greatest enemy 
and humility is your greatest friend. And so let's look at Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. This is what the scripture says. Above all else, wow. Whenever scripture says that, it means that God is trying to get our attention. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. And the scripture we looked at last week as we introduced the series was from Proverbs chapter six, verses 16 to nine. And can you just listen to the scripture as I read it? There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, which basically means pride. A haughty spirit. A lying tongue. Lies. Hands that shed innocent blood. Anger, a heart that devises wicked schemes, deceit and hidden agendas, feet that are quick to rush into evil, and a false witness who pours out lies, someone who manipulates, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community, jealousy. These are the things that the Lord hates. You said, well, I thought God is a God of love, but these sins God hates because they have the potential to be destructive within our lives and also to hurt other people's lives. And so many of these diseases, these enemies of the heart that we'll be looking at are things that not only hurts us, but it actually hurts other people. C.S. Lewis calls pride the great sin. He says, according to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Sexual impurity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was though pride, it was though through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is complete anti-God state of mind, he says. It is pride which has caused the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. And so this week, I've been on a quest to find out exactly what pride is. And um, it would be wonderful to find out from some of you what your succinct definition of pride is. And I've read far and wide this past week to find a great definition for pride. And do you know what? I couldn't find a great definition for pride because pride is such a subjective experience of the heart that is unique to all of us and that is particular to all of us that it's very hard to put pride within a certain box. Just when I think that someone else is prideful when I look at an act that they've committed, 
It's amazing when I step back and I look at my own life, I see pride in another area of my life. And so it's been, as I said, I felt like sitting in the dentist's chair this week and he got that little drill out and he was drilling on my teeth as I was going through pride and asking God to show me what pride really is. And you know what? We, we ask God to show us what pride is when we read a whole lot of resources. He suddenly changes things and he puts light upon your own heart and suddenly you know what pride is because you see it within yourself. And so I have. So it's been quite an interesting week for me, and so I want you to know that as I speak about pride this week, it is something that I've been very conscious about within my own life and something that has been hard to recognize in certain areas of my life. In some areas, it was easy to say, Peter, you're prideful in this area and you're prideful in that area. I'm almost prideful of some of the pride within my own life. But the areas that really hurt was when God put his light upon an area that I didn't think I was prideful in. And those are the really deceptive areas that tend to destroy. And so it's been a tough week for me because the loving Father would come and he would shed light on areas of my own heart so that he can fix it. God never identifies areas of sin within our own lives without having the person to the purpose to fix it within our lives. God is a great fixer and is committed to change those things within our lives. Pride is a heart attitude of sin. that overflows into our motivations. It shows in our decision makings and activities. Pride is at the root of nearly every problem you and I struggle with. Someone said that pride is the idolatry of self. And I kinda love that definition. You know, that's one that I've settled upon that is more kin to the nature of Piet. What is more kin to your nature? But I think that is probably more kin to my nature. Pride is the idolatry of self. And pride is not only necessarily thinking too highly of yourself, although it is definitely that, but pride is also thinking too low of ourselves where we don't realize our value in God's eyes. And that is why I say pride, you cannot necessarily just put it in a succinct definition and say, this is it. It is unique to you, to your life, to your experiences, to some of the stuff that you've experienced when you were younger and now it is surfaced. Do you know what I've experienced as I'm just above the age of 55? No, almost 57. It's this that the older I get, the more I see certain cracks within my life exposed, and the more I see the need of God and His grace 
to flow over my life. I think it's a beautiful place to be because a part, and I'm running way ahead of myself, uh, partially in dealing with pride, it is to actually see our genuine need of God. When we start to see our need and our dependence on God, it is amazing how he comes and he starts to work within our lives even when we don't see it and suddenly we look back and God dealt with the sin within our lives. Have you experienced that? Gee, no one has. Now, there are a few smiles, of course, I can't see through the masks. But that's my experience. When I have declared my need of God, and there's an area that I'm struggling with in my life, it doesn't necessarily change just straight away. But what happens over a period of months, suddenly I look back and I say, wow, I don't think that way anymore. I don't feel that way anymore. And that's the gracious hand of God coming and restoring you and me. The nature of pride is to compete with God, meaning that we displace God's glory. That means we take from God's glory and we use it for ourselves. That's scary, isn't it? And, 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 and that's the evil of pride. It is when we take something that doesn't belong to us and we take it for our own and we claim it and we say, look what I've done. Look what I have accomplished. Look what I have. My friends, everything that you and I have and everything that we do not have is from God. And no wonder God says he will never share his glory with any man. Because that uniquely belongs to him. But pride in essence is taking from God's glory and claiming it. as our, And that's why your gifting doesn't belong to you. When we recognize the giftings that we have, we lay it before God in an act of worship. If you claim your gifting as your own, and you're the sole benefactor, you're the sole owner of your gifting, my friends, you're taking something that doesn't belong to you. It is that which God has given to you. It's still, it's he's entrusted it with you. And suddenly when we use our giftings, when we use our positions, when we use our might and our influence purely for our own glory, we're claiming something that is not our own. It is actually his. You see, everything we have we receive from God. It is not wrong to feel good about something that you have accomplished as long as you recognize and admit that you could not have done so without him. There is nothing wrong with being proud of all my hard work. Just like there isn't anything wrong with being proud of your children or your home or getting a promotion. In fact, we're supposed to take pride in these things to an extent. 
The Bible encourages us to work hard so that we will be satisfied with the, the, with the results. It says that the diligent man prizes his possessions in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27. So let's bring the balance here. What you have is not evil. It is how you use it that makes it evil. Yeah, the essence of pride is also trusting in self and in your own resources, like your own wisdom, your own might, and your own riches. And we do understand that Scripture speaks very clearly that it is harder for the rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven than the person who is not rich. Why? Because we start to rely upon our riches. We start to have so many options, and we start to lead and direct our lives through the resources that we have instead of trusting in God to help us to do it. There's a reason why God says these things in God's word and we need to really understand these things. Covetousness is turning away from God usually to find satisfaction in things. Lust is turning away from God to find satisfaction in sex. Bitterness is turning away from God to find satisfaction in revenge. Pride is turning away from God specifically to take satisfaction in self. Pride essentially from God's viewpoint, is when you and I take ourselves too seriously. When we're too big, too large, too important. That's when pride is at the very center of our lives. On a personal note, someone said, Don't worry over what people might be thinking of you. Chances are they are not thinking about you at all. C.S. Lewis says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Humility does not mean I grovel before God like the Asian court officials who used to wriggle along the ground like worms in the presence of his emperor. It means rather that in the presence of God, I gain a glimpse of my true state in the universe, which exposes my smallness at the same time as it reveals God's greatness. That is what Philippians says. When you always feel that you are the exception to a rule, there's probably 
a little bit of pride that is found within you. When the Bible is no longer the sole authority within your life, and some other source becomes that, or when you and your opinions are more important than the Bible, I would say that pride has actually taken a hold within you. When the Bible calls us to lay down something and we don't want to do it, we're actually saying to God, God, I know what is better and I know what is best. That's an act of pride. We have people coming to our church from all different walks of life, from many different nationalities. And, and, and so it's very hard for us to judge pride when we see it. Because in one nation, what looks like pride is definitely not pride within another nation. So for instance, in South Africa, I had to learn that when I would speak to a man from a tribe within Africa or a lady, from a tribe within Africa, they would not look you straight in the eyes. They would always look down, and it's a form of respect to them. However, within my Afrikaans culture, when you talk to someone and they don't look you in the eyes, that's a sign of disrespect. And so oftentimes, you know, with, uh, with the Afrikaans male Status, you know, when you talk to someone, they better look you in the eye. If they don't, it's a sign of disrespect. And so sometimes in South Africa, and I had to learn the lesson hard one day when I was speaking to someone of another culture, and I actually said to them, would you please look me in the eyes when I speak to you? And afterwards, someone rebuked me, and they said, you know what? That person was actually showing respect to you by not eyeballing you. I got it horribly wrong. You see, so my friends, we've got to be very, very careful to judge pride in other people. In our church especially, people from 37 different nationalities, my friends, I cannot judge pride within your life. But my friends, the moment we start To look at another authority than the word of God, my friends, you'll find out that pride oftentimes is at the very center stage why we don't believe what God says to be true in the Bible. And in our culture especially, when it comes to sexuality, the world is telling us how we should define sexuality, but the Bible is very clear on how we define sexuality. Nations have become proud. People have become proud because the authority of God's word is no longer our rule of thumb because we think we know better than God. When our wisdom becomes higher than God's wisdom, when God tells us how to treat one another and we treat one another differently and we say to the word of God, well, I'm the exception to the rule. My friends, that's pride. 
what is the origin of pride? And that will help us a little bit to have a distaste for our own arrogance and pride within our lives, our own self-importance. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 15 says, how you have fallen from heaven, and it speaks about Lucifer. Morning star, son of the dawn, you have been cast down to earth. You have once laid down low the nations. You said in your heart, in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Saphon. I will ascend above the tops of the cloud. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. The language of prized is summarized by the phrases, yes, you've noticed, I will ascend. I will raise my throne. I will be enthroned. I will ascend. I will make myself like the most high. It's the I principle. That's tough to take, isn't it? Because our society raises the I within us. It speaks so well about the I. But the devil, the archangel Lucifer, with him, pride was formed. And he championed the cause of pride. And I think that's why pride is the champion of all sins. The evil of all sins. Because it's all about me. This is what the New Testament in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 and 26 says about pride. But you are brought down. Sorry, Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified have crucified the flesh with all its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. The New Testament says that pride is a conceitedness within us. Let's be personal here for a moment. I've been personal with myself here for the last two weeks. Why don't you be personal with yourself just for a moment or two? Where do you think are areas of pride, and especially areas of pride that is starting to spread its feelers out over your heart? What areas of pride can you detect within your own self? It's very interesting. 
that one of the areas that I very quickly see within my own life when pride starts to grow is when I become judgmental of others. Have you noticed that within your own life? That's an area that I've got to be very, very careful about is to become judgmental of other people. Or when it comes to offense, have you noticed that if you get offended very quickly, chances are that you are way too serious about yourself. You take yourself way too seriously. If you're very sensitive to offense, it means that you're preoccupied with self. Something we've got to be very careful. If someone doesn't compliment you over what you've done, uh, does that offend you? Um, When praise is given out and you're not a part of that group, are you the first one to say, well, what about me? That sense of pride. Where does pride lie within your life? Good, I hope that you could just answer that question within a moment, because I can. I can within a moment answer some of those questions. You see, just for the next few minutes, I want us to talk about how do we overcome this pride within our lives? And I don't believe it's a hard thing to overcome pride. I think pride is one of the easiest vices, sins, diseases to deal with within our lives. Because my friends, as Christians, when we know God and when we've experienced God in his goodness over our lives, it is very easy for us. As John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he can increase within my life. And so there's one passage of scripture that we're gonna look at as we close now. It is in Philippians chapter two, verses one to 11, and I'd love for you to turn to that passage of scripture. I'm not gonna read the whole one, but I'm gonna select a few verses there to help us to overcome this terrible evil within our lives. Because my friends, as I said, pride is not just an attitude that constricts our own spirituality. But pride is something that hurts other people. So for instance, if someone asks you for your forgiveness and you don't give them your forgiveness, it is probably one of the most overt forms of pride within the Bible. Jesus deals with a man in scripture who begged him to release him from his debt. And when Jesus released him, he went back into the fields and someone who owed him money, he brought him before the magistrate, threw him in prison. Jesus heard about it. Jesus said, wow, how wicked your heart is. My friends, when we don't forgive, when we have the opportunity to forgive, it is an attitude of pride. And that's maybe one area that is very concrete that we can identify within our lives. But how do we deal with it? Philippians chapter two, verses one to 11 gives us um, a great example in the form of Jesus. The first way that we deal with pride within our lives is to make sure 
that we are united with Christ. Look at Philippians chapter two, verses one and two. It says, it says this. Philippians chapter two, verses one and two says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. It's just being united with Christ. I love this word, united. It means that we walk in fellowship with Christ for pride in our lives to be diminished and to be dealt with requires for you and I to be in fellowship with Christ. My friends, you cannot have a relationship with Jesus and entertain pride at the same time. Because the very one who could be prideful is the very one who came down to earth and became a servant and served us and emptied himself of all of his glory for your benefit and for me. So we cannot walk in step with Christ and be proudful. It's an oxymoron. If we're in fellowship with Christ, pride will start to become less and less and less and less within our lives. When we walk in fellowship with Christ, that's when we read the word of God and when God's word says do this, we do it because we're in fellowship with Christ. There's faith within our hearts. God's grace strengthens us and we want to obey the word of God. Amen? That's how we overcome pride. It's being in fellowship with Christ. That's when the big I becomes the small I, and it is replaced with who he is, the greatness of God. And we actually see our position as being just one of the many instead of the big I. The gospel is the greatest remedy against pride. This is because it is so humbling to receive a gift absolutely free. God has done it all, my friends. He has provided the Savior who lived the perfect life. He grants us the repentance and faith that secures our salvation. We cannot take any credit for it. The gospel, when properly understood and received, will start to deal with pride within our lives. My friends, I don't think it happens overnight. I think it's a journey, it's a process. So don't feel discouraged. Be united with Christ. John the Baptist spent just a little time within the presence of the wonderful Savior, the wonderful God. And he just said, whoa. He says, I can't even untie his shoes. He says, no, I must decrease so that he can increase. His own self-importance made space for the importance of Christ. So be united with Christ. 
Secondly, seek out the way of humility. Seek out the way of humility. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourself. My friends, when we seek out the way of humility, we understand that we will follow the way of God. And um, humility is, is, is an interesting concept, isn't it? But it is so it's a powerful antidote to the disease of pride. And so how do we follow the way of humility? We just need to value others above yourself. That sounds very easy, doesn't it? And that's the scripture we read in Philippians chapter two, verse three, two, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself. Let's make it personal. Do you value, men, your wife above yourself? You know, we just need to use that as a test at home. Are you able to do that? Um, men, when it comes to our children, my children are 25 and 23 now, and so when I phone them, and when I wanna give them advice on a certain issue, before I can even try and give them advice, they give me advice in areas that they know nothing about. And what I've done recently is I'm starting to listen to their advice and I'm starting to give less advice to them because I realize they're not even listening to my advice. You know, there is a real sense where even with my children, I'm valuing them above myself. When you seek out the way of humility, you value others about yourself. How about if you're, you need to do something that is just a little bit uncomfortable for you? Are you able to do it? Or do you give that task to someone else to do? It was just on Saturday. I got into our lift at our apartments. And as the lift opened, I saw a 100 franc note lie at the bottom of the lift. And I took the 100 franc and I knew it wasn't mine. And I quickly walked into the room and I said to Jen, hey, Jen, 100 francs, money is raining from heaven. No, I didn't say that to her. I said, someone lost 100 francs. And so I said, well, what do I do? What do you do in Switzerland when you find money? Someone once said, if you find money in Switzerland, spend it. And I looked at the money there, and I thought, well, I need to go and ask a Swiss person, what is the Swiss way of handling this? So I knocked on the door of my neighbor. I said, I found 100 franc in the lift here. What should I do? He says, why don't you take 50 and I'll take 50? <laughs> <laughs> he was laughing. And a good laugh about it. You know, and, uh, and, and, and his wife says, come, let's tear it in off. 
You know, and we had a good laugh. I said, well, what I'll do is I'll go to all of the apartments in our block. I think there's, there's about eight of them, and I'll knock on the door. So I went and I knocked on the door. I knocked on the door. Is it yours? Is it yours? Is it yours? It's, uh, and three of them went home. And so the last one, he could speak great English. I said to him, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it up on the board. The notice board within our apartment and I'm just going to stick it there and I'm sure the person who's 100 rand note it is will take it. And um, they said to me, no, you shouldn't do it. I said, no, I trust the people within our apartment block. What I was saying to the person there, I value the people within our apartment block. And so I did it. Based on my value system, I put it up there because high enough for children not to get it. <laughs> I saw some of your children around the apartment blocks. <laughs> High enough. And then I left it there. And then about 15 minutes later, my doorbell rang and the lady at the bottom, she says, my husband and I spoke and we've put a notice in the lift and here is the 100 franc. You keep it and they'll come and collect it from you if it's theirs. I said, that's a great plan. But within my heart, I was disappointed because I was hoping that we would value others above ourselves. I know I won't take it. And so I value others not to take it. But I listened to the Swiss person and about 15 minutes later, another bell ring my door and I open it and it's a lady with her daughter and I had met her a few times. She lives above us and she says, it's my hundred. And I was about to give it to her and she gave me 20 francs. And apparently that's the practice here in Switzerland, so that someone will give you 20 francs back. And I said to her, I really wouldn't, I really don't want the 20 francs. Um, this is yours. 20 francs is mine. And she says, if you don't take the 20 francs, then I'm not taking the 100. <laughs> I should have closed the door and kept the 100. <laughs> But you see, you know, it would have been prideful of me to insist on not taking the 20 franc. Do you understand how complicated pride is? And that's why I say it's so subjective, let's not judge one another. But one thing that I do know, that as I valued that person above myself and even the people in our apartments above myself, there is something that God is doing within my heart. He was dealing with some issues of pride within me. Follow the way of humility, friends. Value others above yourselves. Serve others. Come on, please serve others. Philippians chapter two, verse eight says, and being found in the appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Sorry, Philippians chapter 2, 7. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus served. He served. My friends, serving isn't about being involved in your favorite hobby because that serves your own self-interest. Serving is above your own hobby. Serving is when you 
inconvenience yourself to do something. Most often, that's when God deals with your pride. Pride is dying to self, my friends. Jesus did, and being found in the appearance of the man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death and a cross. And then lastly, when we seek out the way of humility, trust God to balance the scales in his own time. Verses 9 to 11 of Philippians chapter 2 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you know what? We're very good in protecting ourselves. We need to learn to die to self and then to trust God to balance the scales at the right time. Do you trust God? If so, die to yourself. Don't fight your own cause all the time. Some of you are fighting your own cause all the time. I know what it's like. In South Africa, we're taught to fight to be creative at all times. <laughs> fight for your own cause. And maybe your culture is similar to mine, but we've got to learn to die. When we die to self, God has the opportunity to resurrect things at the right time. That's true faith. And so would you stand, please? And I'd love to pray for us today. How do you deal with pride within your life? Just seek to be united with Christ. With all of your heart, seek out the way of humility. And in due time, God will exalt you. Father, we stand before you. And we ask that you would come. And that even over this COVID period of time where those, those webs of pride have, have been woven around our hearts, where we've, we've been able to become even more independent than what we need to be, where we've done things our own ways even more than what we've done before, and where the big eye has become the crowning experience within our lives we ask Holy Spirit that through the word of God today that you would have started a process within our lives to help us to see your greatness and for you to clearly show us our place in this universe <laughs> would you come and would you minister to us in these areas we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.